0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast, where we bring the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. Today, we're continuing our Aftershock series, and it's part two of a three-part series, so if you haven't uh, listened to part one, make sure you check that out. Aftershock's series is really all about making us aware, giving us tools to overcome these aftershocks, these things that creep up in our life as a result of a traumatic event. Um, there are things that we go through in life and we think that, hey, I made it through, I'm good, but we don't realize that, that these things have, you know, reared their head. Um, do people say that, reared, reared their head? Anyways, you know what I mean. All right, well, I won't hold you up any longer. Let's dive in to part two of Aftershocks
1: hope you're doing well this morning hey are you excited to be here yeah i am i'm excited to be with you this morning and uh Probably, as I'm looking around, most of you in this room uh, know me, but it's been a while since I've been up here. I'm the guy that that comes up here about once every three years, and uh, and that's by my choice, you know, because I'm pastor of Celebrate Recovery, but for all of you online, maybe you don't know me this morning. My name is Brad Rutledge, uh, and uh, uh, I'm the pastor of Celebrate Recovery, Uh, my wife and I, Renee, uh, have, have been here for about 22 years, and I, I just thought that sitting there a while ago, and man, that's amazing. I'm just like, I'm blown away uh, by that. But uh, look, if you're ready, let's dive in this morning. We're, we're in the aftershock series. This is the second message, all right? So get ready to take some notes. If you're online, I hope you'll take some notes as well. And uh, look, we all are experiencing aftershocks from this pandemic. It has been a rough, almost 21 months now, we've been in this thing, okay? And it's been tough. We're all affected by it. All of our lives have been, and it's evident too. Pastor Scott and Pastor Gary, they they shared some pretty daunting statistics last week. As a result of the pandemic, alcohol use is up about 55%, overdoses, drug overdoses, 29%. 29%. Do you know in the last two years that more Americans have died from opioid overdoses that died in the Vietnam War? And just in the last two years, just in the last two years, pornography use is up. And this one just blows me away. Get this. We're, we're as believers, as Christians, we're affected by this pandemic. 75% of Christian men And 40% of Christian women use pornography. Ouch. Ouch. Anxiety and depression, three times greater than before the pandemic. Suicide is up. Suicide is up 20% among our veterans. And man, that makes my heart hurt. Because no one should ever leave this earth without knowing that there's hope. And we're gonna talk about that hope today. Why are these statistics so high? Why, what's happening in our society? Well, it's because, most are saying it's because of the isolation and the stress of this pandemic. I mean, look, it's evident. It's evident in all of us, every single one of us. The connective tissue in between us has been severed to a certain degree. It really has. I mean, we've we, we've had to, we've had shutdowns uh, last year that really cost us a lot. It really did. And just look, I I said this in the programming meeting this uh, this week. Uh, look at this room. Two years ago, there were probably over a hundred more chairs in this room. And with a crowd this size, what 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 some of us would do when we stand up and speak, we would say, "Hey, come in." You guys stand up and come in. We can't do that anymore. Like I said, that connective tissue has been disruptive between us. It has. But here's here's what I want you to know today, that there is hope. There is hope. Now, these Beatitudes and these... uh, Uh, these biblical principles, and you you got the first one last week. This is principle number two this week. And next week, you're going to hear the third beatitude, principle number three. But this week, these beatitudes and these principles that we teach at Celebrate Recovery, uh, they can be standalone messages and work. But it makes so much sense when you see the link in between them and how they build on one another, and that these Beatitudes, they come alive in your life when you, when you make that connection, and it makes it so much easier to live these out. I make no, uh, no apologies whatsoever in saying that I believe these Beatitudes are central in the Bible. Jesus stood up and he gave the greatest sermon ever preached. And he said, hey, you want to know how to do life? You want to know how to be happy in life? You want to know how to be successful in life? Here here it is. Here it is. And today, what I want to do is just just continue to catch you up a little bit and just talk for a minute about what we experienced last week. Pastor Scott and Gary both uh, took us through principle number one, and it was hard. It's hard, to, it was hard, it's hard for me. Every time I hear it, it's hard for me because the, the principle reads like this. It says, realize I'm not God. Ouch. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. And the beatitude is this. This is what Jesus said. He said, happy are those who know they are spiritually poor and that's where we have to get in our life another way to say that is happier those who know that they need Jesus that they need Jesus because people who are yielded to God they don't attempt to play God they don't predict outcomes okay they obey to the best of their ability they honor God with their life they follow God and they surrender okay now today we're going to turn the corner a little bit all right, where you'll see that there is hope, there is hope, that there is a power greater than yourself, all right, and you'll discover that with faith and God's grace and love, you can make the changes that you want, but most importantly, the changes that God wants you to make in your life. And that's what I want you to hone in on today, whether you're here in this room or you're here online. All right. Now, step one and principle one is known as the reality step at Celebrate Recovery. Okay. It's where we admit, we admit that life's life's unmanageable without Jesus, it's out of control. And then we need a power that's greater than ourselves. Okay. Now, where do we get that power? And that's step two. That's what step two brings us. It's known as the hope step today. And hope discovers in our lives, what can be, all right? And we're all just a couple of steps away from having the life that we really want and that God wants for us. But moreover this morning, I want you to know that God loves you, that He loves you. So today we look at principle number two, and it goes like this. Earnestly believe that God exists that I matter to Him, and that He has the power to help me recover. He has the power that helped me recover. Now that's how it reads, that word recovery there on the end. This is what I know about us. That word recovery comes with a little bit of a stigmatism, doesn't it? It does. But you know, there's another biblical term for recovery, it's called sanctification. Sanctification, it's it's the process of being free from our sins and, and and being made holy, or the process of being made holy in the God in, in the eyes of God Almighty. So let's move past that. Let's move past that stigma of recovery, okay? And and Let's 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 move into the fact that, hey, we're all in this process together. And I'm gonna crack this open a little bit in just a minute. Jesus said this, and this is this you may think this is really strange in Matthew 5, 4. This is the beatitude that goes with this principle. Happy are those who mourn, really? For they shall be comforted. Now that word mourn, it translates like this. It, it refers to a grieving. Uh, over a personal hope that dies, all right? And it's a grief that is so severe, it can't be hidden, and it kind of consumes our lives. It does. It's obvious that it's taken possession of us, all right? I think the message version of this beatitude says it wonderfully. You're You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Does that ring a bell? I hope so. We had this moment of clarity last week, and that's what we call it at Celebrate Recovery, this moment of clarity where we lose hope in all of our own resources and all of our understanding, and now we're getting ready to get to to this point in our life where we place our hope and the one who's greater than us, the one who can help us, and that's Jesus. Jesus says this, for those who place their hope in me, I will comfort you, and you will find happiness in this life. So what I want to do today is is unpack uh, principle number two. There's three very distinct points here, and we're going to start with the first one, okay? Earnestly believe that God exists. Now, this is what I know about people sitting in this room there are two, two different types of people here, okay, and watching us online as well, all right? There are believers in the faith, and there are non-believers. There are non-believers, and I want to speak to both of you, okay? The fact is, is that most of us believe in, in God. We do. Gallup's poll has reported periodically for the last 50 years that roughly 97% of Americans believe there is a God. Only 2% say there's atheists, and I say that they're atheists. And you know what? I've watched this poll for the last 30 years, and it's, it's not changed barely a percentage point. It is. Why? Why do people believe? Well, it's because of this technological age that we live in. All right? Now, Moore's Law, and that's not Scott Moore's Law, okay? Because he, he has to have help in, in turning on his computer every single day. In fact, I think Leah's assistant does it for him, but Moore's Law, what Moore's Law state is, is that really every two years, uh, technology doubles. Computers, computers can process twice the speed they could today than they could two years ago. Well, right now, techno- technology is advancing about every, it's doubling about every 18 months. That's how quick it's doubling, all right? And because of that, very few people are willing to say that, hey, all of this just happened, all of this just took place. I mean, in fact, scientists today say, 65% of the scientists say they believe in God. And like I said, this has been going on for years. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I'm preparing to teach the hope lesson at Celebrate Recovery in 2001. All right? And I pull up at a convenience store back when we still had newspapers. Do we still have newspapers? Physical, I mean, a, there's a newspaper stand there, and the headline reads All right, the physicist's theory known as the standard method is unprovable. And I think I still have that, pa- that, that newspaper in storage at home. But this is what I'm talking about, okay? At least I think I, n- I know what I'm talking about. It's atoms uh, come together and form molecules, and molecules form cells. And cells come together to form everything that you see right now. You, me, everything in this room, and what the standard method says and what physicists are saying is that they don't know how it's all, it all works. The proof, the, the theory is unprovable. It is. And I checked it again this week. It's still, the standard method is still unprovable. But I want you to look at Colossians chapter one, starting in verse verse 15, because I know what holds it all together. And it's right here, all right? We look at this Son, capital S-O-N, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this Son and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything absolutely everything above and uh, above and below visible and invisible rank after rank after rank of angels everything got started in him and he finds and it finds its purpose in him he was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together up until this very moment he holds it all together jesus is the creator all right? He makes it all work, and He holds everything together. And whether you believe it or not, whether you're watching online and you believe it or not, God exists. He does. And it's not my job to convince you this morning, anybody, okay? It's my job to tell you the truth, the biblical truth, and these biblical principles, and present this to you, okay? Now, continuing to paint this picture, let's take a look at the fact that you and I Matter to him. That's the second part of this principle. You and I matter to him. Not only does he exist, not only did he create all this, but you matter to him. In fact, in Jeremiah 1st first, uh, first chapter, verse 5, he says, I formed you and I knew you before you were born. I formed you in my mother, and you know what? I set you apart. I set you apart. He says in Psalms 34, 17, he hears us and he helps us with all troubles that we have. John 15, 15, Jesus calls us his friend. And in Luke chapter two, he says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brother and my sister. And Isaiah 49, 15, I'll never forget you. I'll never forget you. You know, sometimes we forget about people and they fall to the wayside. God never forgets us any of us. He doesn't. No matter where you are in your life, what you've done, what you've got involved, what you're experiencing because of this pandemic, you know what? He cares about you. And Jesus is enough, and He loves you, and He he didn't have to, but He came to this earth so that we would know what God the Father was like and so that we could understand. He's the visible image of the invisible God, the Creator that holds everything together. And He can do for us what we haven't been able to do for ourselves. Romans 11, 36 says this. It says, everything comes from God alone. Everything. Everything lives by His power. And He can be the power for you to change your life if you accept Him and you follow Him. But you know what our problem is a lot of times? A lot of times is this, is that we believe our doubts and we doubt our beliefs. We get tangled up in this world, and we believe what the world says. We watch the news too much. We read those old newspapers too long sometimes. You see, the, the real things, the things that last in this world are the invisible things, the spiritual realities that we can't see. And because, you know, because I believe in those things, I have faith. I've experienced His grace and His love, and I know that it's real. And because of that, I can have hope. And that leads me to the first words of step two. All right? Now, let me explain this because we have, we use the Christ-centered 12 steps at Celebrate Recovery, and people often ask me, why the steps and why the principles? And I believe the steps provide the footwork for us to experience these beatitudes and these principles in our lives. So step two reads this. We came to believe in a power greater than ourselves. Look, saying that we came to believe, it describes a process. And, and, and a proce- the process is this, is that belief is the result of careful consideration, all right? Some doubt and reasoning sprinkled in. Reasoning is the seasoning, if you will. And coming to a conclusion, all right? Coming to a decision in our life. The fact that you're able to process in this very manner is evidence that God made you in His image, that God's the Creator, And that leads us to an action, to a decision where we we can discover in Him the grace and the power that we need to change. So my question to you, based on these truths today, what decision do you need to make? Do you need to embrace Him as your Savior? Do you need to rededicate yourself as a believer and become a follower these these are these statements and, and, and these questions, they bring us to this, all right? Will you embrace change today? Will you be open to change today? Whatever that means for you. I don't know where everybody is in their life right now, but God knows, and He's asking us, will you embrace the change? But we have to be willing to be open to change, especially in this season of life that we're in. Okay, with these aftershocks rolling in. And look, folks, they're going to continue to come. We're going to continue to have these aftershocks from the pandemic for for some time to come. We have to learn to live with COVID. It's not going away. But there is hope. And remember, remember this process, though. It's careful consideration, wrestling with doubt and and, and some reasoning. Uh, uh, Doubts versus beliefs what's true, what's not true. Look, God gave us a free will. It's how he wired us. It's another way that we're we're made in his image. He gave us a choice to choose to love him. He didn't want to make us a puppet and dangle us on a string, okay? He he wanted us to choose to love him and follow him. Problem is, a lot of us are doing life on our own terms. We are. We are. And I want to ask you this morning, how's that working out for you? How's it working out? I'll say this, you'll never change until you admit that you can't do it on your own. We all need a power that's greater than ourselves. And maybe today, maybe today you're sitting in this room or you're watching us and you need to admit your denial and that you're powerless and at some points or so, some something in our life is unmanageable. And then receive and believe in Jesus and tap into His power to help us to recover. Hope is found in the willingness or the openness to change. Whatever that change needs to be, even if we're afraid of change, you know, even if we don't think we deserve any better, even... Even, even, if, even, if, even if we are just, just blindsided and can't even think, okay? Hope is the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is. Not as I would have it, but trusting in Him that He's going to make all things right. Surrendering to Him and His power, not our own willpower. Look, willpower is never enough. And it never will be enough. You can't change on your own power. You are powerless to change anything in your life. You are. If you could have changed, you would have changed already. And all of us have change that we need to make in our life. I do. I do. And get this, you're going to continue to come up against things. Like I said, that we're, we're, we're still somewhat in the middle of this pandemic. We really are, and, and life's going to keep coming after us. It's going to keep throwing darts at us. The enemy's going to keep throwing darts at us. And you know what? God can do one of three things, all right? He can, he can change your situation, or He can change you, or He can change both. But more often than not, He wants to change you. He wants to change you, and He wants to change me because He created us to be and to find the purpose of, that he has in our life. That's the reason. Look, many of you know mine and Renee's story. All right, the first five years of our marriage, it was just hell on earth. I'm going to be honest with you. Look, I, I wasn't a pandemic. I was a plague. And Renee just had enough, and she said, get out. And we, after five years of marriage, we were separated. We were. But after six months of separation, God put our marriage back together and He began to heal both of us. He actually took drugs and alcohol from our lives and He made our lives whole and we got ourselves involved because we surrendered to God. And today, I'd never, if you'd have told me 30 years ago that I'd been involved in ministry for for almost 25 years and that He's done what He's done in our lives. Look, we've been able to help thousands of people and hundreds of marriages because of what we've experienced. He gave us purpose in our life, all right? And He created you, and He has purpose for your life too because you matter to Him, each and every one of you. You do. But how will you change? How will you change? Well, that's the third part of this principle. He has the power to help me to make the changes. God's power is the only lasting thing that can change us. It's the only hope in our lives that's certain. It is. Look at what Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13. It says, For I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ, who gives me the strength and power I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Do you believe that today? Because what that means is this, is there's nothing that's gonna come up in your life that you can't handle, not on your own, but with the power of Jesus. And the power to change it comes through faith. It comes through faith in God and then in and through God's grace. And it's here in this principle that we understand that God's power can change us and he can change our situations too in some cases. He did mine, but it's trusting in something that you can't see. But you can look at the life of Jesus and see how it flows out and learn about the invisible God and how you can how you can do this life with his power. And I'll tell you this, because he was, he's, he was there for you yesterday, you can rest assured he'll be there for you today. And will he not be there for you tomorrow? Absolutely. Folks, that's hope. That's hope, my friends. Hope is more about what God did yesterday in my life, all right? And because of that, I have hope for today. I do. And the hope, the grace and faith and love that's found in His power is the power that can help us to change our lives. It can. But we have to also believe that we can change. We have to expect that we can change in our lives, Philippians 1.6 expresses my heart. When I say this, it says this, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in His grace until His task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus returns. Remember, recovery is a process, all right? Recovery from anything, all right? It's a process, and it's not where you're at in that process but are you in the process? It's not about perfections, folks. It's not, but it's about persevering. So don't quit before the miracle happens. Don't give up before God shows up in your life. With God's help, the changes that we all want are just a couple of steps away, but we can't do anything unless we get started. We can't. So what do you need to get started? Well, there's something that's, more important in life than education, it's more important than wealth, it's more important than your ability and your talents, and that's faith. That's faith. Faith is believing that God can come through and that he's going to come through and that you matter to him no matter what. No matter what, Faith, along with the desire to change, the writer of Hebrews, it tells us what well, he tells us what faith is. Faith is sure of what we hope for and certain of what can't be seen, of what we can't see. But how do we grow in our faith? All right? Well, as believers, we know and understand this, okay? Every encounter with God, we build a spiritual resiliency that helps us. In life, but it also helps us and prepares us for God's work, okay for serving him. Now practicing your faith it's not, it's not something you put on a to-do list and just check it off every day, okay? and it's not a reason for beating yourself up for not doing it right either. all right? It's just practicing. that's what it is. Every opportunity in life gives us the opportunity to practice our faith. Next, maybe you say Hey, I just don't have any faith. I just have little faith. Well, then you need to know the story of a man named Jairus or Jairus. Both of those pronunciations are correct. They are. Jairus was a man who was a church leader in simple terms, in today's terms, all right? And he came to Jesus one day and he said, Jesus, I hear you can heal people. My daughter is sick and she needs to be healed. And Jesus said, sure. Often, more often than not, that's, that's the way Jesus ministered. People came to him or he came to somebody and said, hey, how can I serve you today? So they're headed to Jairus' house, all right? And they get interrupted. And some of you know the story, all right? I want to pick it up in, uh, in chapter Mark. They're, they're interrupted. They're delayed on their way, all right? Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 35. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and get this, boy, this is hard. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? I hope they were a little more tactful, don't you? But Jesus, in verse 36, he says, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid just believe. Now, this story appears in the book of Matthew, the book of Luke, and of course here in in the book of Mark. And there's no dialogue that takes place uh, that that may have taken place between Jesus and, and Jairus, but I can just imagine Jairus being real honest with Jesus, and he said, look, I hear what you're saying, Lord. I hear what you're saying, but my daughter's dead. My daughter's dead, and I've got a lot of doubts right now. Help me with my unbelief. And I think Jesus said, hey, that's good enough. That's good enough. And they headed out to Jairus' house, and the rest is history. He healed his daughter. Maybe you need to say like Jairus today, God, I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. If you think you have no faith or little faith, look, look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. You see, it's not the size of the faith that you have, but it's what you put your faith into. You can have mounds and mounds of faith and put it in the wrong thing and get no results whatsoever. But a little bit of faith in a big God like Jesus has big results. Not some of the time, but every single time. Every time. Do we ever arrive at the perfect faith? No. No, we don't. But we have opportunities daily to practice putting it into Jesus and stepping out and watching Him do in our lives what we could never do for ourselves. For me, it's reassuring to know that I don't have to have a lot of faith to begin the recovery process from these aftershocks. You only need a small amount of faith, as small as a tiny mustard seed. I have a mustard seed in my backpack, and I meant to bring it up here. It's tiny. It's a tiny. It's a tiny tiny, uh, little seed. But look, let me say this. Eternal life, it doesn't begin with death. It begins with faith. Faith as tiny as a mustard seed is the avenue to salvation. And you can't find salvation through intellect, through knowledge alone, through giving of money, through good works, or even coming here every Sunday morning. You can't. The way to find salvation is described in Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And all you need is a tiny amount of faith. And if you put that faith in Jesus, you can change. You can change. You'll find hope in Jesus. His Spirit can come into you supernaturally. If you need to pray that Scripture this morning, it can happen to to you because it happened to me. And I know this. This morning, I want to encourage you to take this step of hope. This step of hope. It'll give you the courage to reach out and to hold Christ's hand when, as you're doing life through this season that, that we're trying to navigate together. And you can face this life with confidence and realistic expectations with Jesus Simply put, my life without Christ was a hopeless end. With him, it's an endless hope. It is. So today you have a choice. You do. How will you respond? How will you respond today? What decision do you need to make today? Do you need to accept Jesus? Do you need to accept Jesus? Do you need do you need to recommit yourself? Are you one of these statistics that we've read the past couple of weeks? And there is no shame whatsoever in admitting that. Let me tell you, this is, a, this is a church of recovery. It's been a church of recovery since I've been here for 22 years. It has. This is a place where we're open and honest and we can be vulnerable and we love and we care about one another. We do. When you latch on to that and you latch on to Jesus and you expect to change and you, you become open to change, you'll realize you're not alone. And you'll find that the possibilities are endless when you ask Jesus into your life and you learn to tap in to his power. And I hope you'll do that today. We're going to wrap up with a serenity prayer today okay? The serenity prayer is a prayer that we pray at Celebrate Recovery to end our service every single week, and we pray it together, okay? It's a prayer for courage. It's a prayer for wisdom, but moreover, it's a prayer to become more like Jesus. It is. So the words are going to be on the screen up here, and I'm going to lead it in you, and I'm just going to bow my head. If you need to look up at the screen, look, it's okay if you pray, with your eyes open and read this prayer, okay? So let's pray together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Hey, stand up with me. Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us today in person. And for those of you online, thank you so much for tuning in. But I want to encourage you today, once more, what decision do you need to make? Don't leave here today without, without talking to someone. Maybe you need to go by the, the Celebrate Recovery uh, kiosk outside. There's a couple of great leaders out there who can answer some questions for you. But talk to somebody today. If you need to accept Jesus, man, if, if you're hurting during this pandemic, man, if the aftershocks are just too much, let us know. We want to help you. We want to serve you. We're we're on the same storm together. We are, and I want to personally invite you to come out to celebrate recovery this week. This Thursday at seven o'clock, we're going to hear a, a, a teach on grace and God's forgiveness in our life and how we're forgiving others. You're gonna hear a great testimony week after that. We just had a great testimony this week. This has been the year of testimonies at Celebrate Recovery. But at eight o'clock, we have a newcomers group for everybody who's new to Celebrate Recovery. So one-time attendance group, and you know what? We'll, We'll explain to you how Celebrate Recovery works, and we'll answer all your questions and do our very best to get you acclimated and plugged in to Celebrate Recovery. I want to invite you to come back next week as Pastor Scott and Gary are going to talk about principle three, all right? Happy are the meek, happy are the meek. And I want to encourage you to bring somebody, okay? How many of you have somebody up here on on, on this cross? Who's your one? A lot of us do, right? Why don't you invite them next week? Next week could be the week. But you know what? We're here in the now right now. It's not too late this morning. Talk to somebody before you leave. All right. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed. I love you.
0: Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We hope that this message is beneficial to you in some way. And if it was, we would love to hear about it. You can fill out a connect card at eastridge.church slash connect card. It really is the best way for you to get connected with us here at Eastridge. If there's something that you're struggling with and you want to talk to someone, if you need prayer or you just want to find out more about Eastridge, the connect card is a great place to start. In this Aftershock series, you've heard a lot about Celebrate Recovery, and that's a ministry we have here at Eastridge. If there's something that you've been struggling with that's keeping you from being who God's created you to be, Celebrate Recovery may be a great ministry for you. And if you're not in the Newton County, Georgia area, why don't you go ahead and reach out to us anyway and we can help you find a Celebrate Recovery ministry near you. Just wanna remind you that Aftershocks is a three-part series. This was part two. Make sure you go back and check out the previous message as well. And if these are beneficial to you, they might be beneficial to someone else. So feel free to share these. Remember to come back next week as we wrap up the Aftershock series. All right. See you later.